You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. There's been many struggles financially, spiritually, physically. I mean, just people are struggling everywhere. Some people are struggling just to buy groceries now and, you know, and make their rents and things like that. And uh, we need encouragement from time to time. And, and God says to us, you know, he says that we need to refocus at times and take our attention off all those things that are going wrong and the things that are dragging us down and turn our attention back to him because he can solve all those things for us, can't he? He, he has the answers in his hands if we'll only take the time to reach out to him and listen and focus on him. So I, I do want to attempt to refresh us today in our memories of those prizes that he has in store for us. And uh, as I go through this message, uh, I, I hope that we do that. So I'd like to open up in prayer that, that God speaks through me today. It's just not me, but it's the Holy Spirit working through me. So let's bow our heads and pray. Okay, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to bring forward your word. And uh, Lord, we just appreciate you so much. And you've brought us through 2022 and you're bringing us into a new year. And Lord, we're, we're still here and we're still serving you and, and loving you and honoring you, Lord God. And I know that you have some special things in mind for us in this new year. And I pray that you would help us to achieve those goals that we have and those prizes that we're reaching out for. And that you would bless every family that's represented here, Lord God, that you would meet their needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And Father God, that you would just anoint us with power and, and wisdom, your wisdom, Lord God. And that the words that I speak today have an impact on everyone who hears, whether it's here in person or on the podcast. Lord, that, that your word goes forth and not only do we receive it and just for ourselves, but we utilize it and become better and stronger and more sharing and loving in the coming year. And so we pray this, we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, yeah, the world is definitely a different place today. Um, we, are, we are racing towards judgment. That's, that's the way I feel. And it's only speeding up as we go along. You know, and God is very patient, isn't he? I mean, he's been waiting a long time for us to get it right. And we keep getting it wrong. And uh, he, he's, he's so patient, though, he's waiting up there. And I know Jesus is there with him, and they're both, both looking down on us, and they're watching over us, and they're with us, right? And, and they're, they're, you know, taking in the whole situation, and Jesus is looking at the Father because only the Father knows the time and that he's coming back, you know? And so Jesus, is, he's looking at him, and I can just picture them in heaven right now in glory, and he's looking at them, and the Father's looking down at him, and they're looking at the earth, and, you know, and, and then... The father says, you know what, son? And the son says, what's that? Go get your bride. Wouldn't that be amazing? We are the bride. Are you ready to go to that banquet? 
I am. <laughs> and hopefully everyone is ready. But we got, we got to get more people ready. Amen? There's so many. Because there's, there's, there's a lot of evil people in this world who totally reject God, that, that hate the gospel, that hate the word, that hate us. But there's many more people who are totally deceived. And they're living in darkness. And so they need the light of the gospel to come into their lives and to pull them away from that darkness and pull them into God's wonderful light. And what? We get to do that. We're God's representatives here. Amen? It's not just for the pastor or the staff. It's for all of us to be willing to share and to grab a hold of someone's hand and pull them from that dark place into God's marvelous light. When I preach and, and do a message, um, I usually use stories from my own life. God placed that in my heart to do that because I've discovered this. The longer that you live, the more stories you accumulate. And, and dads, and I know there's dads out there, the more dad jokes you accumulate, right? So those are two good things. So dad, remember all those jokes because you'll need them, you know, when you get a little bit older. But uh, yeah, I, obviously I have a lot of stories and I have a lot of dad jokes. So I'm going to present a couple of stories to you from my life that will show you what I'm keeping my eyes on in the prize and what, as the body of Christ, we're doing that. So... One of the stories that I have, well, one of the reasons that I do stories, let me explain that first, is that Jesus was a master storyteller. Uh, I think there's about 32 parables that were recorded in the Gospels, and I'm sure there were many, many more that were not recorded. But why stories? Uh, stories are fascinating. You like to hear stories from people, don't you? things that they've gone through, events in their lives, especially if it's someone that's close to you, you like to hear those type of stories. And so they're, they're practical, and people can relate to them really well. That's why Jesus utilized them a lot. And I, we have a lot of young people in this church that have babies and young children, and that encourages me, knowing that we have generations that are coming up that are going to continue promoting the gospel and, and love the Lord. But how many of you parents... Um, when it comes to bedtime, your kids, they ask you, Mom, Dad, read me a story. Tell me a story. How many of you, that happens all the time, right? They want those stories. They love to hear from us. Well, we had five kids, you know, and we told them stories a lot. We had our books that we shared. We got out our little golden books and things like that. You know, and we took them and said... Okay, we got a story for you. And uh, this story right here is pretty big, right? I'm sure you have smaller little versions that you take to bed with you. And uh, the reason I brought this one here is because it's filled with tall tales. That's a dad joke. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> so I'm going to put it up here as a reminder that we're telling stories. I was listening to, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago, the the broadcast of John Hagee and Matt Hagee from Cornerstone Church, San Antonio, Texas. And uh, he had a very interesting story he told about his son, Matt. John, who's the founding pastor, Matt now is the leading pastor of the church. 
And so he said when Matt was a young boy, he had this special book that he really loved. And at night, he'd have him read that same story over and over and over again. Do your kids have a special book that they love? I'm sure they do. And so they would, he would be reading that special book to his son, and he said, he was getting really tired, and he said, I want to get through this book. He said, so he started turning several pages at a time and, and not doing that, and he said, Matt went, stop. He said, what's the matter, Matt? He said, start over. He said, you're skipping pages. <laughs> They're smart, aren't they? So he went back and he said, you know what, son? Um, I could record this for you. And when you're in bed at night, you can play it. And you can play it as many times as you want to. And uh, Matt stopped and he said, he looked up at it and he said, but then I wouldn't be able to sit on your lap. And see, isn't that a cute story? Doesn't that get your heart? See, our kids look forward to those stories, don't they? And so stories are important to God because he wants us to train up our children. I mean, we're responsible for our children, aren't we? We're responsible for their training and especially in the ways of the Lord. And if you look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verses uh, 6 and 7, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Now here he's talking about the gospel, of course, the word of God, getting that over to your children, but children need those experiences with you. So I have a story that I want to tell you from my life that kind of relates to keeping your eyes on the prize. My wife and I got married in June of 1977. And I was in the house preparing for my wedding day. I was nervous. I was excited. And I'm starting to get ready. I had my tuxedo pants on and I had my dress shirt on. And all of a sudden I heard this big thunderclap. I was alone in the house. And I look outside and it's starting to pour rain. And when I look at my car, I notice that I had left my driver's side window down on my car. And I go, oh no, I don't want to sit in a flooded car on the way to the church. So I ran out, got inside, I cranked up the, the handle. We had cranks back then, we didn't have the, the little push button. So I had to crank the window back up and then I ran back to the door and I got to the door and I grabbed the door handle and I went... I had locked myself out. Sheer panic struck me. I'm going, oh no, here I am in the rain. So I ran to the back of the house. That door was locked. I went to the other window. No, I went to the kitchen side window and noticed the screen was open a little bit. And I said, well, I'll have to go through there because I'm not going to let anything stop me from getting to that church. Nothing is going to stop me. No floods. No fires, no windstorms, nothing that's going to stop me from getting to the church and collecting my prize that day. And what was my prize? Well, she's sitting right back there. And I said, 
I am not going to let this happen. So I grabbed a hold of the windowsill. I pulled myself up. I slid the window open, and I crawled through the sink, which had dirty dishes in it. I hadn't done the dishes. And so oh, I had made it. I hurriedly put on my rest of my uh, suit, and I ran out to the car and said, okay, I'm going to get to the church on time, because I lived in Taylor, and it was down in Trenton. It was about a 20-minute drive or so. So I got there, got into the church, and got all ready. And then you know you're, you're up on the platform, and they're starting the ceremony, and I'm waiting for my bride to come forward. And I said, ah, oh, here she comes, you know. And then I'm standing up there, and she rises up there, and we're standing in front of each other. And the first thing she says to me, she looks down and looks back up, and she says, what did you do to your pants? <laughs> I go, what? I look down. Sure enough. I had dirt and stuff where I had crawled through the window on there. But you know what the good news was? She still said, I do. <laughs> so dirty pants and all, I claim my prize. Now, in addition to that, and kind of a sub-story to that, uh, there was a couple of movies that came out that year, 1977. There was... Uh, this insignificant little movie called Star Wars that came out. I don't know if anything ever happened to that or not. But then there was another one called Rocky. And we decided to use the theme song from Rocky for our wedding. Now, we had this music uh, person that was going to play this, through the ceremony. They played on the the piano or the organ there, and we went up to him and he said, yeah, we'd like the, the theme song from Rocky to be our wedding song, our key wedding song. And he looks at us puzzled. He says, that, that's about fighting, prize fighting. He says, I don't know if I can do that at a wedding. And he said, sure you can. And I said, just a moment. I said, well, what we'll do is we'll go to this music store and we'll get you a... Um, some music sheets for it, and we'll get you a cassette tape. Now, folks, this is a cassette tape right here. If any of you are familiar with that. So we gave him the cassette tape and gave him the music sheet, and then he went home and see if he could do that for us. But I often thought that life would be kind of neat because you put, you put the cassette tape in a cassette player, and the player was multifunctional. It would, it would start stop, pause, fast forward, rewind. It would do all those type of functions with just this cassette. But if it came unwound, uh, you can ask me later what we did with a pencil to get it back again. So we, uh, we got that all to the music man, and he looked at that. You know, and I thought, too, wouldn't life be great if it was like a cassette player where you could stop at certain times of your life before you made a mistake, or you could rewind and go back and redo it over again, or put, put it on pause. Let, think a while before you do something. You know, or fast forward through the, through the uh, bad times of your life that you kind of regret. But life isn't that way, is it? But that's where the grace, the mercy, the love, and the forgiveness of God comes in. Amen? That's where it comes in. So here we are, keeping our eyes on the prize. And this, how many of you have never seen Rocky? Ooh, okay. Well, the story of Rocky is kind of like a David and Goliath story. Okay, we have Apollo Creed, the world champion 
boxer in the world, undefeated. And then we have Rocky, who's like a down-and-out Philadelphia kid from the streets. And he had a goal in mind. He didn't have many skills, except he was good with his fists. He was, he had, he was strong. And he said, one day I want to be the world heavyweight champ. Well, nobody gave him any possibility of doing that, but he had his eyes on the prize. He wanted that world championship belt. And so he did whatever it took. He would go and he would punish his body with exercise, lifting weights, punching beef in the beef house. He would run up and down the steps in Philadelphia there. He would just go at it and brutal punishing and he had two people, though, that really supported him. He had a manager, and he had a, his girlfriend, who eventually would become his wife. They were real supports for him. And they believed in him. And he believed in himself. And he did everything he could to attain that title. And so he got into the ring with Apollo Creed, and he started getting beaten to a pulp. He kept getting knocked down. He was all bloody. He would get knocked down, but he'd get back up again. Got knocked down, he'd get back up again. They thought he was out. They were going to count him out. He just kept getting back up again. Isn't life that way? Isn't life that way? It tries to beat you down. It tries to knock you down until you don't get up again. Stay down there. Wallow in your own pity. But no, as believers in God and as, as followers of Christ, we always get back up again, don't we? We dust ourselves off and get back into the fight because we know that one day we will be with the King of Kings, the champion of all time. And so we will be with him. And so as believers in Christ, we have that same power, just like Rocky did. Eventually, he reaches the point where he wears Apollo Creed out to the point where he's got his hands down like that, and he delivers the knockout punch and becomes the world champion. You see, if, you're, if you have perseverance, if you have stick-to-itiveness, and you're keeping your eyes focused on that prize, you can attain anything you want with God's help. Amen? You can do it. <clears throat> so that was a, a great movie. We really enjoyed that. And the song from Rocky, so that you don't think we're totally wacko in using that in our wedding, is a beautiful love song. If you've never heard it, it's called You Take My Heart Away. And it's, it really is a passionate love song. So if you get a chance, whatever music genre you use, look it up from, from Rocky. So, as believers in Christ and disciples of Christ, what do we have to look forward to? What, what prizes are we looking to attain in the kingdom of God? Well, thanks for asking me that, because I'm going to tell you in the next few moments here. First of all, I believe, and personally, the greatest prize will be standing face-to-face -face with Jesus. Standing in his presence, the author and finisher of our faith, our creator and sustainer, the one true and living God, our only hope and savior, standing in his very presence. We no longer will need faith because we will be there and look into his eyes and see him as he really is. 
And that will be such a grand and glorious time, I believe. Are you looking forward to that day when you can do that? There's a song that came out a few years ago by Mercy Me. And it says, I can only imagine. Because that is kind of an unimaginable thing for us right now. Of what it's going to be like when we are in God's presence And so, let me read a couple of the lyrics for you there. It goes, Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. What do you imagine when that time comes for you? Whether it's through the rapture or our time to leave this earth, what do you imagine it's going to be like? The second greatest thing that I prize that I think we look forward to is not only seeing Jesus, but seeing our family, our friends, all of the saints of the past, being together with them in glory. Your grandparents, your parents, brothers and sisters, co-workers, people that were in your neighborhood when you were growing up, people that have gone on before us. We will be with them. Not only with them, but we will be them throughout all of eternity. And then you'll get to ask all of those questions that you've always wanted to ask God about. You know, how did this whole thing come about? What is existence? You know, and you'll know the meaning of life and all things and why things happen the way they did. So aren't those wonderful things to look forward to? Aren't those goals and prizes that are to be appreciated? And these are for all believers. In addition to that, in the Word, he describes five crowns that every believer is going to receive. And the first one I want to look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 25. And this is called the imperishable crown. 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. In other words, they are disciplined. And that's where disciple comes from. Discipline, disciple, self-controlled. They do it to receive a perishable wreath or a crown, but we an imperishable one. Also in, I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, means they pass, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So this imperishable crown. So these crowns are not actual physical crowns like you see Queen Elizabeth, like she wore, or, or the new king of England. They are symbolic of things that we are going to receive when we are with the Lord. 
And I think this one, this first one, is kind of a hard concept for us to relate to right now because everything in this world, in this physical world, perishes. Everything decays. Everything rusts. Everything um, just goes backwards. It doesn't move forward. And it's hard for us to, to imagine that, that something can be totally imperishable. Every, everything fades away. Like, I'm sure all you ladies, you love to get a bouquet of flowers, don't you? For special events, Mother's Day, you know, Valentine's Day, Sweetest Day, those type of things. Get a fresh, beautiful bouquet of flowers. And then about maybe a week later or 10 days later, what happens to those? They totally <laughs> lose their beauty, don't they? They wilt, they lose their petals, they fall apart, they darken. No matter how many of those little packets <laughs> of preservative you put in that water, it just doesn't keep that from perishing, does it? And another thing is as, as things fade, they, um, they just reach a horrible mess. Like, I love fresh fruit. I love fresh vegetables at times, but more fresh fruit. And so we go to the fruit stand, and we, and we buy the fruit, you know, and then a few days later, you say, hey, honey, where's those bananas, you know, that, that you bought the other day? And so oh, they're, they're over there in the cupboard and say, oh, okay, great. I'm going to grab the bananas and put them in my oatmeal or my cereal. And you open them up and you go, ugh, what happened? You see, God gives us all kinds of earthly examples to show us that everything perishes, that everything fades away, that nothing here on earth is forever. That gives us a longing to be with him, doesn't it? That gives us a longing to be where... Things are imperishable. Another thing is um, cars. How many love to get a brand new car? You know, you go in for the first time, you smell it, you look at the shiny metal, you keep it polished, right, and all that, the glass cleaned. You love that brand new car that you got. Well, what happens a decade or so later? Why did I get this rust bucket? I'm kicking it. Ah, it's not running anymore. It's falling apart. You ever walk through a junkyard? You know, you're just walking through there and you see all these car parts, rust, dirt, cars smashed up. You know, at one time, that was somebody's prized possession in there. They almost like worshipped it. Some people do like worship these cars. I see all these car shows around that we go to and they say, wow, you know. But eventually what happens? They turn into rust and disintegrate. And for us, our bodies. You know, I look at pictures of myself, and I'm possibly you do the same thing. Maybe you look through your uh, high school yearbook, or you look through, you know, different pictures that you've taken in the past. You look at yourself, and then you go over and you're getting ready for the day, and you look in the mirror and you go, my gosh. What happened to me? <laughs> I'm now like a prune. I'm all wrinkled. My hair's not that jet black like it used to be. It's all gray and it's falling out. You know, and I, I got aches and pains where I didn't know I had parts before. What happened to me? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Aging, just like everything else, right? 
We are in decline. <laughs> I hate to tell all you young people that, but one day you will be in decline also. But when you get into decline, that should make you very grateful that we have a God. Amen? Because people who do not have God as their hope, what do they have? They have this life and nothing else. How miserable would that be? But we have something to look forward to because God is eternal and so shall we be with him one day. So the imperishable crown. The next crown is the crown of rejoicing. That's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19. It says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Now what, what they're doing here is they're talking about what their greatest rejoicing is about. And they, they, were, they were alluding to soul winning. That was their greatest joy of not only they were saved and on their way to heaven, but they had impacted other people and brought them into the fold and said, you are coming with us. That is something to rejoice about. That is our greatest joy. Now on earth, in our physical realm, there are things that we can rejoice about. There are things that make us happy. And, and, you know, weddings, they make us happy. Birthdays, going on vacation, going on an Alaskan cruise, you know. I mean, that, that makes us happy temporarily. But that's not real joy, is it? You see, joy is not based on events or circumstances. Joy comes from within, from the Lord. And so there's things that make us sad, too, in this world, you know, we, we lose a job. We don't get that raise we were looking for. Um, death, you know, it makes us sad, right? And so we have this combination of, of joy and sadness, but with the Lord, we can always rejoice. Let's take a look at Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, because we can rejoice and have joy in him. So in the spiritual realm, we have his bountiful blessings. We have his provisions, his divine protection. We have his favor, his mercy, his grace, and his love. And that's why joy is not reliant on circumstances. If you have Jesus in your life, if you're born again, if you're part of the kingdom of God, you can rejoice no matter what's going on. Things could be flying all around you. All the trials of life, the storms of life, and still have that inner joy. And knowing that no matter what happens to me physically, spiritually, I am well. And that brings joy beyond measure to us. The next one that we have is another crown called the crown of righteousness. 
That's another one that we'll receive to go, um, we have, better have a pretty big head to hold all these crowns. So the crown of righteousness. Now we all know that it's not our righteousness. So let's take a look at uh, 2 Timothy verse four, or chapter 4, verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So my question is, are you loving his appearing? Are you looking forward to that day when he splits the eastern sky and comes back and takes us all up to be with him? Are you looking forward to that day? Then you have a crown of righteousness awaiting you. You see, many people try to achieve righteousness on their own. They try to become righteous. But the Bible is pretty clear in Isaiah 64, 6. It says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, or filthy rag, dirty rag, whichever um, version you're looking at. For we all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So we know for sure that we are not righteous. Our righteousness looks like a dirty rag. Now, how many of you love using a dirty rag? Wash your face, maybe. Wash your car. No, we don't like using dirty rags, do we? Because they're filthy. Filled with germs and bacteria and dirt and grime. But this is what sin does to us. Sin makes us look this way. I'm reminded of another story. You knew that was coming, right? When I was a young boy in 1957, I was seven years old, and I would always go to the service station with my dad when he filled up his car. Now, we called them service stations back then, not gas stations, and you'll learn why in just a moment. So I would get in the car with my dad, we would drive up to the service station, pull up to the pump, and we'd pass over this hose that was on the ground, and it'd go, ding, ding. And immediately, a young man would come running out of the station and run up to my dad's window, say, fill her up, sir. Say, you regular? All right. So he grabbed the pump, put that in, and he always had a rag with him in the back of his pocket, like that. And it was a filthy rag, a dirty rag. I was fascinated watching this guy, young man. And he would go uh, and he would say, I'm, uh, clean your windshields off. So he'd grab the squeegee. He'd go over there, clean those windows off, squeegee them off. He'd go, he'd say, hey, uh, can you lift up the, the hood and I'll check your oil. So he'd go there, get the dipstick out, take that rag like that. Ooh, quart low. So he'd bring it back to my head. Hey, it's a quart low. Uh, I can put... Uh, Quaker State, Penn's Oil, whatever you like in there, 10 W30. Okay, great. We'll, we'll fix that up for you. He'd take that rag, wipe his hands, put that, rag, put that rag back in his pocket. But he had that rag with him all the time. I don't know how many times he used that, but definitely dirty. But this young man was so grateful uh, and so, so um, happy 
And he, he was loving his job, apparently. Today, if you go to the gas station, you're lucky to see anyone. And if you do, um, they don't even look up to you while they're watching TikTok on their cell phone when they take your payment. Right? So there's no service anymore. There's no interaction anymore like it was back then. But this young man, might, he would come back and he'd say, okay, sir, that, uh, your gas comes to, uh, see, it's uh, 30, 39 cents a gallon. That'd be three, 10 gallons. That was $3.90. And he said, the oil, about 30 cents a can. So he said, here you go. That, that's your total bill. Wouldn't you love to have a bill like that today? Wow. You know, but it, it was a Sinclair gas station, and they had the, anybody remember Sinclair? They had the Brontosaurus was their uh, symbol that they had, and they sold Brontosaurus toys, and they'd have one up on the pump there, a little, you know, blow-up one. And I always looked at it, and I said, Dad, I want one of those. He said, well, that's, that's 29 cents. <laughs> I don't know if I can afford that today. Oh, but he did buy me one one day. I wish I would have kept that. I was looking on eBay. You know what they're worth now? Oh, I always mess that up. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, my dad would give him a little tip, quarter tip or whatever. He'd be so thankful. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you that. But he, he did such a great job on our car and all that. But that, that's what, you know, our, our, we look like, right, to the world. Thankfully, this is what God thinks we look like compared to that. When, when God looks at us because of the blood of Jesus, this is what he sees. Not this, but this. So thankful for that because I couldn't do it on my own. My righteousness is not worth anything. So this crown is awaiting us when we get there. So keep your eyes on the prize. The prizes are awaiting Next one is called the crown of glory. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Glory, an interesting word. When I think of glory, there's some glorious things here on earth. There are. The heavens declare the glory of God, don't they? You look up at the stars in the sky, the sun, the moon, the galaxies. But I see God's glory everywhere. You have to have a keen eye. You have to have a Christian eye. Because people in the world can't see God's glory. They're blinded. But I see God's glory in every sunrise and every sunset. In different colors and patterns. I see God's glory in diversity, in the intricacies of life. His glory is there. But what is God's glory? Well, it's his very nature. It's his essence. It's who he is. All glory, all light comes from the Father and goes everywhere else and lights up the entire universe. That's the glory of God, his majesty. There aren't enough words in the English language that are perfect enough to describe him and his glory. It's his brightness. And his glory, people, people try to achieve human glory. 
they try to achieve it in different ways. Maybe it's through um, ex educational degrees or through business or sports or entertainment. They try and receive all the glory. But as believers, we can receive God's glory as well in the things that we do, but we don't keep God's glory. We reflect it back to him. Whenever God's glory shines on us, that gives us the opportunity to reflect it back to somebody else and say, wow, you, you play so awesome on the piano. I say, God gave me that skill. You're a tremendous woodworker. Yeah, but God gave me the ability to do that. You're, you're giving the glory back to God. And so that glory is something that you will have as a believer and someone, and you will take it as a crown when you get to be in glory. You will have that crown of glory. There's another crown that we'll receive, and that's called the crown of life. And we can take a look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer, Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I think this is especially a precious crown for those who endure suffering on earth, who go through hardships and sacrifice, but remain dedicated and faithful to the Lord. Everybody goes through trials. Does anybody here not go through a trial? No, don't see any hands. We go through struggles, and many times, and especially today, I believe that we can be persecuted in different ways for our faith. People make fun of you. They call you a prude. They call you, you know, old-fashioned. You know, other names that I can't repeat. But... Uh, you know, you're going to have some types of suffering here on earth. And if you are an overcomer, if you have perseverance, if you have dedication to the Lord, faithfulness remains steady in Him, this crown of life it will be especially pleasing to you. I want to take a look at um, James chapter 1, verse 2. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So everyone who loves him is promised this crown. And in, I want to take a look at John, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that he... We keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So, everyone who loves God will receive this crown. And what is the love of God? Keep his commandments. Because his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are for our benefit. To protect us. To keep us. To keep us glorious. To keep us righteous. Through the blood of Jesus. And that's something you don't hear a lot of anymore. I like to pray that prayer all the time. I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife, my family, my children, my friends. Just 
Cover us with the blood of Jesus because there's life in the blood. Amen? And so you don't hear a lot about that in churches anymore, but I pray it will come back once again because his blood never fails. His blood is always there. So I'm going to be closing here in just a few moments. So I have the uh, music back up again. So are you looking forward to these crowns? Is this something that appeals to you and you'd like to see other people achieve them? <clears throat> the imperishable crown, something that never fades away, something that never dies, something that never rusts or breaks down or melts away. That imperishable crown is waiting for us. All we have to do is be faithful and receive it. The crown of rejoicing. Make sure that you're using what you've learned to the benefit of others as well. That you're drawing people. Somebody might ask me, how many people have you saved over your lifetime? None. I can't save anyone. But I can lead them to the one who does. And that's our job. Don't worry about saving someone. Just try to lead them to the Savior. Through words, through actions, through sending kind emails, posting things on your social media that glorify the Lord. Being there for people when they're in times of trouble, when they're sick, when they're going through financial struggles. Being there and letting them know that you're there because the love of Christ is in your heart. And when you do that, the crown of rejoicing will be bigger and better for you when you get there. The crown of righteousness. Of course, we can try and do good. We can try and do the very best that we can here. But that's not good enough. Because the word tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me for shedding your blood for me, and that my righteousness is not dependent on me. You clothe me with your righteousness. Thank you for that, Lord. And then we have the crown of glory. We can achieve that as well. So don't seek glory for yourself in the things that you do or the skills that you have. You can be the very best that you can be. You can be at the top of your profession as an athlete, as an entertainer or whatever, but always give the glory back to the one who is glorious. And you will be blessed for that beyond measure and your crown of glory will shine brightly when we get to heaven. And of course, the crown of life. Without Jesus, there's death. With Jesus, we have life. Always stick with Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So you might ask, what do we do until then? What is our job as believers while we're still here in this earthly realm before we receive our rewards, we see Jesus in person, our, our family members receive the crowns? What do we do? And I would say to you, continue to occupy. Continue to do what you do for the Lord. Use your talents and abilities to the very best of your ability 
think of him all the time. Be in greater levels of prayer and in study in the word. Draw closer to him. Be an overcomer. Remain steadfast in all that you do. Be his ambassadors to this lost and dying world. And two things I want to pray over you as I close, that we all become vessels of honor that he can freely use, that we are a vessel of honor that he has no qualms about reaching out to and saying, come, I want to use you. I want you to do something for me. So a vessel of honor. And the second thing is to be a channel of blessing. Let the blessings of God that flow from him, let them go through you and channel out into everyone else in this world, in this community, in people that you come into contact with every day, family, friends, co-workers. Be that vessel of honor and that channel of blessing to a lost and dying world that really needs us, that really needs us more and more. So let us go ahead and I'm going to pray that over you as we end the message. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.